14 minutes it is uh, before 8 p.m. Uh, we're live on Metro FM Talk uh, here on the Mighty Metro, and uh, it's our business wrap now. We're going to take a look at the big stories uh, in the marketplace on this uh, Wednesday, and I'm joined uh, to do this by analyst and market commentator Nolwandle Mtombeni. Nolwandle, good evening to you and welcome. Hi, I'm Mama. How are you? I'm I want us maybe to start off, uh, I guess, with some of the deaths that we've seen in the mining sector. Now, uh, I found it quite surprising that uh, the uh, Minerals Chamber came, came out and said, uh, yes, uh, a few people might have died in the sector, but uh, uh, the averages or the deaths per 100 cases uh, or 100 infections is much lower than the rest of the country, which certainly doesn't give us, uh, I guess, anything by way of comfort. But... Um, uh, one would also think that the mines might make screening and detection of people before they go underground a lot easier. Yeah, um, unfortunately, you know, um, you know, especially when it comes to you know cases where there's no symptoms, um, I imagine you know there'll be lots of those where you know they're not symptomatic and you know mm. and also the symptoms only show up maybe after two weeks or in some cases it takes a while and the, and the symptoms are dormant. So it's very hard to contain the spread of, of corona, as we've seen. Um, it requires the strictest measures and, you know, social distancing at the highest level. So in a mine environment, it's very difficult. So I think from, you know, the industry perspective, it, it's quite difficult, you know, to, you know, whichever number they came up with, they're going to have to kind of spin it in a pot of light. Um, you know, the fact that there's many deaths already around the country and, you know, and we don't even know the other sectors are affected because, you know, even in supermarkets and in the retail industry, there will be probably lots of deaths in that, in that um, the sectors too. So I think from an industry perspective, considering how many people, you can say that, you know, it is a good sign, but really it doesn't mean anything because really it's the amount of positive cases that you've got there because the fact that 50 people died could have, could, could have to do with anything, whether it's their health, their state of health, if they had yeah, any other yeah. um, living conditions. So, it's, I mean, at this point, it's not really anything to, to, to can, you know, conclude on. Yeah, yeah. Quite an interesting one there, and uh, we'll come back to the mining sector when we take a look at uh, one of the stories coming out of the DRC uh, involving uh, the um, electric vehicle value chain. But before we do that, uh, the construction sector, Seemingly on its knees, but uh, Afromat um, uh, certainly seeing a 48% rise in their earnings uh, over the last year or so, largely on the back of their diversification into other mining activities upstream. And um, I guess all of this happening as prospects don't seem to be improving in the immediate in the construction sector. Yes, so I mean, I think, you know, what will be emphasized quite a lot is it the stability of the you know the management team to diversify away to diversify away from you know just construction sector in general. So you know what Acumet has done over the last few years is enter into you know production and mining of industrial minerals and and bulk commodities. And um, so if you look at their portfolio, um, it's quite diversified, and it helped them to you know you know survive in the time of construction has been you know backing and coming onto its knees. And that's largely what helped. I and mean, obviously, within the history, we've also had, you know, some unfortunate um, circumstances where not always the you know, commodities were in its, in its, in its, in its way, um, going things its way. But I think, you know, what's recently happening from, from the fact that, they, first of all, they've got open pit mines, I think that is a big um, big benefit compared to, you know, where you have to go down, down mine, where you have to yeah. actually go deep mining. So that's obviously in favor in terms of, you know, having to resume and continue production during lockdown. That would mm. turn the favor compared to, you know, your, your, open, your deep mines. 
Yeah, and I so guess and the capital also, cost would be a lot cheaper for, for exactly. a big house mine compared to, to one where you have to sort of sink a shaft. Yeah. So a lot of that is also just, you know, you know, luck. You have to come to luck. The fact that, you know, they were not under the, didn't have to, you know, face the level of shutdowns that, you know, other miners have. It's because of the cut in mines they have. But also from a strategic perspective, it is obviously easy and just, you know, um, capex intensive to have, you know, open good mines. So, and, you know, that is the group that the business model has become now. And it's mm. benefited them where other sectors are really, you know, been, you know, really coming under pressure. Yeah, yeah. Delois, I want us to pause here for a second. And uh, when we come back, we'll take a look at some of the retail trade sales numbers that came through from StatsSA for the month of May. And they continue to add to a slew of uh, bad news when it comes to all of these statistical and data releases and we'll continue with that six minutes it is before 8 p.m you tuned in to metro fm talk here on the mighty metro with myself and we're taking a look at the big stories in the world of business that are moving markets and one of those certainly seems to be the bad news that came from the national statistical agency statsa uh, reporting that retail one of the largest employers and certainly a large and a big employer of women in south africa seeing a decline of 12 percent in the month of May in sales. And uh, I guess uh, we might see this trend reverse somewhat in Rwanda as the economy reopens. But uh, in some cases, some firms and jobs are said to be lost to us forever. Yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously, the certain parts of the sector is that they had to, you know, close down because, you know, they couldn't afford to keep up with all the expenses that didn't stop once the mm. once the lockdown eased, as well as the fact that, um, you know, the demand, you know, is very slow to pick up, you know. You know, some of us are still wearing the same same clothes every day because we don't have to, you know, change clothes. So we don't really go shopping for the winter clothing as they expected. So those are the kind of mm. things that have played out where demand has just been, you know, um, decimated because of the lockdown and because we still, you know, you know, we still haven't changed our habits completely in terms of adjusting, going back to normal. So I think that's why, you know, for some of them it's just a permanent closure. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and when we look at, I guess, at the uh, largest drivers of this negative outcome, um, household furniture, appliances and equipment, uh, which uh, I guess was effectively locked down in phase four or five, even if you walked into uh, many of the large mega retailers, there were certain parts of those stores that were closed down. And then, unsurprisingly, food, beverages and tobacco. And we know in the case of tobacco, that's still closed. And um, in the case of alcoholic beverages, uh, that also now is subject to uh, its own shutdown. Uh, how do we think about these numbers in the context of the strike we saw from the Restaurants Association today? So, you know, you know, those, you know the Restaurants Association, they would form a much smaller part of these numbers. Um, so they wouldn't actually be the, the, the moving needle. So if you think of your big, you know, your big weighting of the actual, actual numbers, it would be, you know, your general retailers where you'll be, you know, the bucket, you'll lump in, you know, um, your retailers, your, your so-called food retailers, as we call them, because they sell not just food. And then the next would be your, your clothing retailers, and then they're the second biggest, and then there's the other. So you can see between, you know, your supermarkets and your clothing retailers, those are the two big ones there. So those are the really big parts. And then the other ones are very quite small. So in terms of the restaurants, Specifically, I mean, your small restaurants, um, you know, the small shops, they're very small in terms of these numbers. And they wouldn't be, you know, the big swing factor in terms, in terms of, you know, what happened here. So everything mm-hmm. is weighted. And therefore, obviously, what happens, for example, because all our food rate retailers were able to still, you know, open, um, their decline was about, you know, I think about high single, mid to high single digit compared to the rest of the basket. Sure, sure, sure. Let's let's shift away from from the South African retail sector and uh, go to the Democratic Republic of the Congo. Now, uh, 
I always find stories around this guy very interesting. Uh, Israeli billionaire, uh, Dan Gertler. Uh, and he receives uh, in the Komoto mine, which is the largest cobalt mine and uh, largest operational one in the DRC, uh, which is the largest producer of cobalt across the world. He receives 2.5% of the net sales of the one mine, I guess that is the goose that lays all, all of the golden eggs. And he got this uh, through a deal with the state-owned company. It seems now that uh, um, Elon Musk and Tesla might be, uh, I guess, coming into a deal that uh, requires about uh, 6,000 tons, a fifth of their annual production, uh, from the same mine. Uh, what's the complication with this? So, um, so you know, they've, this deal has been obviously in the works for many, many years. I think as far as 2017, there were news that obviously that the cobalt will be required in electrical vehicles and, you know, it was part of the pipeline. And that's why obviously Glencore has been invested for all this time in the DRC, even with all the regulation and problems. Um, you know, the guy that's particularly mentioned here is Dan Gertler, who has been sanctioned by the U.S. So I think you know the, the bad thing about it is that someone who is sanctioned by the U.S. Um, is tends to benefit from a you know a company a U.S. company being Tesla, and um, but it's indirect through through Glencore. So I think you know I think the fact that you know it's a deal with someone who has got U.S. sanctions against them, and the United Nations has spoken you know which has had many negative things say about him and his practices and bribery. Mm. So he's got a very dark past, and you know it's been a doesn't have a very good cost of reputation. And I think a lot of the news around this is that, you know, you know, why is Glencore getting involved with someone who's such, you know, got a bad, bad rip? Um, but I mean, this has been, you know, his, this has been this way, the relationship has been there for many, many, many years. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, and he's said to be quite close to um, the former president there, uh, Kabila. So, uh, and uh, I think a lot of people drew a lot from an image of Kabila wearing a, a Tesla branded uh, jacket. Uh, a few years ago, and uh, it's always been, I guess, stop-start and uh, breakdown in relationship between uh, Gertler and his businesses and Glencore, and uh, at some point you also have the state-owned Gekka mine somewhere in the mix as well. Hmm. So, and you know, unfortunately, you know, Gertler's been like, you know, the kind of unofficial gatekeeper for mining for the country for decades, you know. So he's been part of, you know, many, many deals around mining. So it really would not have been able to bypass him in any sense. So unfortunately, mm -hmm. you know, he's, it, 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 cobalt isn't a big resource of, of DRC. And, um, you know, Glencore needs the cobalt in terms of mining operation. It's quite profitable for them to be there, um, considering it's such a huge source of supply and, the, you know, the resources there. It's, it's, a, it's a lot of supply of it. Um, and fortunately, it's kind of something they have to deal with and continue to with this relationship. They can't do anything about it. And um, I don't think there's any ramifications from them being involved, even though um, there's U.S. sanctions about it. I think it was it did come up a few years ago already, um, but mm -hmm. it's really nothing new that, you know, he's getting royalties that he has been ready. Yeah, yeah. No, no, we'll have to leave it there. And uh, I guess a lot about that story placing in perspective two things. One, how rich our continent is, but also two, you know, how we're all sitting and standing on the sidelines while Elon Musk, and yeah, he's from South Africa, but he doesn't do any of the stuff in the interests of the country. But uh, while Elon Musk and, you know, this guy and uh, a few other elites play and uh, in, in one of the poorest countries in the world, very rich when it comes to minerals, but very, very poor when it comes to human development outcomes for its people. Nulwante, we'll have to leave it there. Always mm -hmm. a pleasure catching up with you, and thank you very much. My pleasure. Bye. Nulwante, uh,
analyst and uh, investment associate speaking to us this evening uh, to uh, take a look at that. And just to place that into perspective, Tesla is uh, wanting to pick up a fifth of the uh, 30,000 tons that are going to be produced uh, from the Komoto mine. And I did share on my timeline on Twitter a picture of, this, of a sign outside the Komoto mine. It looks like it comes out of the, the 50s. Uh, it's uh, written Bienvenue, uh, which I, I guess means welcome, Bienvenue a Komoto, and welcome to Komoto. And uh, yeah, because uh, I guess I don't want to get into a fight with that brother. But uh, yeah, it looks like let's take this brief break now. On the other side, we catch up with the folk from the receiver of revenue. If uh, you haven't started thinking about this, well, yeah, there's a process now where you can get some auto uh, a verification or let me get the wording right auto assessment of your taxes. And uh, of course, if you find that everything everything is in order then you will get a draft assessment and uh, you don't uh, you might not need to complete and file a tax return if you do have to file a tax return the third phase of filing season for 2020 opens in the next few days or so from the 1st of august and chilidze magada from the payroll taxes division at sars is going to be joining me to talk about this in the next few minutes <laughs> 